don't know about you, but I struggle to be disciplined. I've talked about that on previous podcasts, but it's worth bringing up again. I didn't used to be. I used to have a really strong regimen that got me and kept me in really great shape. I ate well, I worked out a ton, I had a lot of energy, and that was in college. Then I got a desk job. The desk job was just that, a job at a desk. In fact, it was a job in ministry, which meant not only were you just sitting at your desk, you were probably eating somewhere as well. When I was in college, I was eating well, but I'd also go through phases where I was bulking up and trying to gain more muscle mass. So I would go to a restaurant and get a triple cheeseburger and large fries and it would metabolize and I would become magically bigger and stronger. So when I got into ministry, I didn't work out as much, but I kept eating like I was in a bulk phase. Well, it worked, just not in the way I intended. I left college that May weighing 210 pounds, mostly muscle. By that December, I had gained 36 pounds and nearly hit 250 on the scale. If that wasn't enough, I went home to visit family and friends, and over Christmas, I saw their faces when they looked at me. I knew I had gained a lot of weight very quickly, and I had to do something. I went to work pretty hard. The pastor of the church I was at was a runner, and I started running with him. Now, I am terrible at distance running. I had made my physique in the gym, not on the treadmill. So to say I struggled was probably an understatement. On top of that, I challenged myself with my eating habits and changed them dramatically. And the weight started to fly off. Six months later, I weighed 190 pounds. I had lost 56 pounds and I felt amazing. I wish I could tell you that that's where I stayed and I've never looked back. Unfortunately, that's not true. My weight since then has fluctuated quite a bit and I pretty much stay around the 220 to 225 range. My exercise habits have been sporadic at best, which is highlighted by a recent conversation with my 14-year-old son. I always want to work out with him, but he doesn't like to work out with other people. So I'm always asking him to, and he always turns me down. So I said to him one day, I said, hey man, I'm telling you, if you get on the Matt Robinson workout plan, I can get you bulked up and huge. He said, oh, is that the plan where you get really inspired and work out for a couple weeks, then don't for six months? Ouch. When he said that, I honestly didn't even get mad because I just nodded and thought, yeah, that's actually true. But I'd be lying to say if it didn't sting a little. Whether we know it or not, we're creating frameworks for our lives that produce the results we're getting. Recently, I was in a meeting at work with our chief technology officer, and he was talking about the vicious cycle that we can find ourselves in. The cycle starts with a belief. The belief is, I'm doing everything right. Most people live here. We live in a place where we can easily justify our decisions and make it about us. So we inherently believe that we're doing everything right, otherwise we would change. However, the other side of the vicious cycle is, I'm not getting what I want. So we believe we're doing everything right, but we're not getting the results that we want. So the results are telling us otherwise. This can play out in all areas of our lives. I'm doing everything right, but my marriage is really wacky. My spouse must be the problem. I'm doing everything right, but I weigh the same. I must just not be able to lose weight. I'm doing everything right, but I'm stuck in my job. My boss must not like me. We can easily vilify everyone else rather than have to look at ourselves in the mirror and recognize that we need to grow, which is exactly what leads us into a virtuous cycle. The virtuous cycle starts with, I'm not getting what I want, and as a result says, how do I need to grow? This is what it looks like to be mature. We recognize that we only have control over ourselves and no one else. So if we're going to experience change, 
We need to be the ones to bring change about. This kind of framework applies to any area of your life that you'd like to apply it to. For me, it's been incredibly helpful to move my life forward. We all have a tendency to play the victim. When things aren't going our way, it's much easier to blame others or the forces working against us and proclaim that they are the problem, but it certainly isn't me. Our society likes to help us further this logic as well, removing as much agency as possible from each person to actually have to look in the mirror and face the truth. Phrases like, well, that's just who I am, or I was born this way, or this is my true self, and so many more are prevalent and mask themselves as true or noble, but they're ultimately just supporting the vicious cycle I just referenced. Christians are good at pointing this out in others, just like I did, but we're equally as guilty of it as well. We slack off on our spiritual disciplines and we find ourselves struggling in some way and say, well, it's just been so hard for me to hear from God lately. He must have me in a desert season. Now, it is true that those seasons are real, but the reality of this moment is simply that we're not seeking God at all. So, of course, we're not going to hear from him clearly. For me lately, I've been in a new season of work. I've got an awesome promotion, and I'm learning the ropes of the new role. It's been really fun, but really intense. I've been doing my job, plus helping out with an open role we have, plus advocating for project management across the discipline and the whole organization. I get to work at 6.45, and by the time I get home at night, I'm completely wiped out. Now, I just said I love my job and my promotion and where I work and all of that, and it's all true. And I'm going to make a statement now that sounds contradictory to that. And the statement is simply this. I don't like this. Now, I'm not opposed to working hard, nor do I dislike my work. Honestly, I love this job, like I just said. It's incredibly fulfilling, and I get to use my skill set in pretty awesome ways. But the part I don't like is how tired I've been lately. I'm physically tired, yes, but I'm more tired spiritually than I've been in a long time. I'm not on the verge of some kind of craziness, but I see signs that I'm not as healthy as I could be. I'm giving my best at work, and my family is getting what's left over. Symptom number one. Symptom number two is I'm so tired that I find myself sleeping through my alarm and cutting my time with the Lord short, or sometimes I don't even have it. Symptom number three, I'm losing steam for the awesome community that God's put me in in my church. Now, those three things are pretty big red flags that something is probably not right. I was talking to some men recently about this that I'm in accountability with. And I said a phrase, and it really struck me as true when I said it out loud. And the phrase was simply this. The spiritual framework I've set up for my life is no longer sufficient to sustain me through this season. Seasons come and seasons go. I don't expect some of the stress I have at work right now to always be there. It will shift from area to area and will take a new form, of course, but this is a particularly intense season for a lot of reasons. That intensity won't naturally trickle down into other areas of my life. What I mean is, just because my time at work is intense doesn't mean my time with the Lord will naturally grow in its intensity as well. Or just because work is intense doesn't mean that I'll have the same energy and intensity to play with my kids and be with my family when I get home. In fact, the opposite is true. When I'm intense all day at work, I have less intensity to give to my family and to the Lord if I'm not intentional. I had the same conversation with a friend of mine who was going through it. He just moved across the country. Their house was a mess, their new house. Their kids were struggling with the move. His work life was crazy and he was struggling everywhere. The spiritual framework he'd set up for his life was no longer sufficient 
to sustain him through this season. So what does it look like to reevaluate this framework? As we get into this, I will say that none of the things I'm about to say are silver bullets designed to fix all of your problems. Rather, they're indicators or places to start as you're evaluating your own personal framework. The first one is simply this. What does my daily time with God look like? If you have trouble answering that question, a schedule or a methodical approach to that time might help you. Number two, do I find daily time with the Lord meaningful? If you have a daily time with the Lord and it doesn't feel meaningful, why doesn't it? This is actually a great conversation to pray about. Lord, I want to meet with you and I recognize you supply all my needs, but my time with you is flat and I feel like nothing comes out of it. Change me, Lord, to make significant alignment with you happen in my life. Number three, how much time do I spend worshiping? Now, I understand that we worship in everything we do. But in this case, I'm talking about putting on a worship song, raising your hands, and singing in your living room or wherever. I'm talking about a full Sunday morning worship experience. I started doing this a couple years ago, and it really changed my life with the Lord like you wouldn't believe. I don't do it every day, but every time I do it, it marks me so deeply, I think, I should be doing this every day. Number four, do I look forward to my time with the Lord? I hope so, but if not, why not? What's missing that could help? Now, I don't want to be a guy who just throws out questions with no answers. So here are some things that have helped me when I'm reviewing those questions personally. When I evaluate my time with the Lord, I look through the toolbox I have to build my framework. The tools I have available to me are basically this. Scripture, prayer, worship, journaling, silence, and sermons. Now, there's other things in there, but this is just for, I'm talking your own personal quiet time. The tools I use most are scripture, prayer, worshiping, and journaling. When I'm thinking through my framework, I usually start with my prayer life. How's my prayer life looking? This is my number one indicator of how my spiritual framework is set up. If my prayer life is strong, everything else is usually strong. If my prayer life is struggling, usually I'm not getting as much out of scripture, worshiping, or journaling. So, when I say I'm struggling to pray, here's a few things that help me. These are very practical. Some of these are going to be like, wow, this is, you really made a podcast about this? But yeah, because they really do make a difference. The first one is to make a list. Now, this one's pretty obvious, but it's one I often forget about. I need to make a list of things I should pray for. I don't know how many times you've done this, probably never because you're a better Christian than me, but there's been a lot of times where somebody has said, hey, Matt, will you pray about something? And I said, yes, absolutely. And then I forget. Now, it's not malicious and I don't do it because I just don't like that person or whatever. I just genuinely forget. If I don't write it down, I'm going to forget. So not only does it help me to write it down to remember to pray about it, but it also helps me in my prayer time to give me a framework around prayer and things to pray for so I don't get lost in my own thoughts. It helps me stay on track and usually jogs my memory of other people I need to be lifting up in prayer as well. Another thing that I try to do when I'm struggling in my prayer life is go back to the basics. Jesus talks about in the Lord's Prayer that the first thing we should do is praise the Lord. Praise God in our prayer time. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right, This, this praise, this reverence that we lift up to God. So one of the ways I do that is to praise through the alphabet. Yes, I said praise, not pray. When Jesus taught us to pray again, he started by praising God. 
And I can't tell you the number of times when I've wanted to praise God through prayer, but there's times when you go through your Christianese alphabet and you kind of run out of things to, to say. And at least for me, I run out of words. And so I needed something to, to jog my memory and to keep me in line to praise God. So I started thinking about that. So I'll start with A, Lord, you're awesome. Lord, you're amazing. I thank you for the way that I've seen you move in my life. Lord, you're beautiful. Go to B, right? And then down to C, D, it's, you know, the alphabet. But the point is, it really does help. It's actually pretty fun. And you'll say things to the Lord that maybe you felt or thought, but you've never articulated before. And ironically, a lot of times, those are my best prayer times. Sometimes I'll also pray the Psalms. Now, this one requires the Bible, obviously, to be in front of you. And it doesn't just have to be limited to the Psalms, but it's a great place to start. Basically, just pick a Psalm and read it. While you're reading it, write down all of the descriptors of God that are listed in each Psalm. So you'll end up with a list that's, you know, five words long, maybe two or three, maybe 25, depending on how long the Psalm is. And let's say you have the words, mighty, holy, protector, love, and mercy. So just go through and thank God for each of those things and then lift them up and apply them to people that you know need them as well. For example, you pray for somebody named John who's going through cancer. God, we know John is going through cancer. We thank you that you are mighty. We pray, Lord, your mightiness would touch his body and bring him healing today. Right. So these are things that have helped me in my own prayer time, and I encourage you to use them as well. So while prayer is certainly a leading indicator, Scripture is a close second. Best practices with Scripture include, first of all, pick a Bible that is meaningful to you. If you have a King James family Bible that weighs 400 pounds and is sitting on your coffee table, and that's the only Bible you have, and every time you open it up, you're more confused than before, you need a different Bible. Just get a Bible that you can actually, first of all, carry around, but secondly, that you can understand. It actually is meaningful to you when you read it. Some people get real freaked out by what I just said, but trust me, it's fine, and I give you permission to do so. God doesn't want to propagate a narrative that says you can't understand him and therefore he can't understand you. That's the opposite of what scripture is for. So get a version that you love to read and is meaningful to you. I uh, prefer versions like New International. Even New King James is pretty good. English Standard. There's a lot of different versions that if you're, if you're new to the faith especially or you struggle maybe to interpret some of the, the old school language, those are great places to start. Get a version that you love, you love to read, and is meaningful to you. And even a physical Bible that's meaningful to you. You know, if you go and just have one that's real small black and white print, and you just don't like reading it, you just it doesn't appeal to you aesthetically or whatever, there's dozens, if not hundreds, of different types of Bibles out there. And as long as it's a, a, a mainline version, like the ones I just mentioned, and there's many others, but I would use one of those. Um, or one that has margins. There's There's some with margins you can take notes in, or even like... Draw out how you feel about this passage or something. So if you're artistic, that might appeal to you as well. But there's lots of different versions, so there's no reason to just feel stuck or stay stuck in that way. So assuming that you have a version of the Bible that you love to read, now the practical side of reading it. Something that is a great habit that I've, I've done for most of my adult life is to read four passages of Scripture every day. Read an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, a Psalm, and a Proverb daily. Now, I will usually read a chapter, 
in the Old Testament, chapter New Testament, chapter in Psalm or a Psalm, I guess, and then a chapter of Proverbs. This is a great way to increase your chances of hearing from the Lord. It's also a great way to see how all of Scripture actually connects together. So really simple, really easy. It takes a little bit of time, but you'll be amazed at the number of times that those scriptures weave together and the way God is saying the same thing through all of them. If you don't like that idea, you can use a Bible reading plan. There's tons out there. Get the, the Bible app. It's literally what it's called. There are probably thousands at this point of Bible reading plans available to you, and they're free. Just pick one and just do something to get you in the Word on a regular basis that can help you stay accountable and keep you in it. It will help. And then lastly, get an accountability partner and do the same thing with them. I saw this really cool play out in my small group um, in last year. Uh, we have two guys in our small group, Brad and Jim, who I both love dearly. And they decided to do the full year Bible reading plan that our church offered. And they literally would read it every day. And after they were done reading it, they would text each other about what they read. And they did this for nearly every day for 365 days. And so the growth in both those guys, the growth in their friendship, I just watched it over time. And it just was awesome. It was so cool to see and just such a powerful testament of needing one another and honoring Scripture in that way. Okay, so moving on to worship. This is another good tool that we have in our toolbox to build ourselves a great spiritual framework and one that we probably don't use as much as we could. If you're struggling to read the Bible or pray, I would just encourage you to stop what you're doing, turn on some worship music, and sing to the Lord. There's a reason in church why we start with worship music. It's because we need to reframe our hearts and minds and awaken to God's presence. Doing that at home will truly impact your quiet time with the Lord. I know people do this in the car, on the way to work, uh, driving around town. And I would just encourage you too. maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or maybe you... Uh, uh, you work from home or something like that, I would just encourage you to turn on worship music in the background all the time. Uh, it makes a difference. I mean, whenever we are uh, physically, in a way, ushering in the presence of the Lord, we're, we're giving that level of permission to God to come into our presence as we want to be in His um, and reveal Himself in those moments. You're going to see amazing things change in your home. You really will. Journaling. Uh, it's something that I don't do enough, but every time I do again, it's like, man, this is something I wish I did every day. Um, it's a great way to articulate out all the things that are happening in your heart and mind at one time. Uh, journaling helps me slow my mind down and get what I need out onto the page to see what actually is happening within me. Uh, deeper are the wells of a man's heart, the, the Proverbs say, who really knows what's going on in there. Uh, there's been so many times I felt that, but then when I journaled, uh, it became clear. It's also a great way to document what God is saying to you so you can look back on it later. Journaling also helps the process emotions to get to a place to truly identify what's happening emotionally in your life. Lots of great reasons to journal. Again, pick up a journal that's, that you like, that is aesthetically pleasing to you, um, and that you'll use. The other two I mentioned, one is silence. Silence is a tough one. It's tough. It requires a ton of discipline. I would recommend if you're deciding to try this in an effort to hear from the Lord, prepare yourself by sitting with your journal next to you. This is so you can write down the things the Lord is saying for sure, and He will over time as you learn to listen. 
but it's also for all the things that you'll inevitably remember you need to do uh, that day huh, that'll come up and try to distract you from what's in front of you. Having a journal there allows you to write those things down and in essence, get them out of your head so that you can focus on God. I also love listening to sermons. Uh, as a former preacher, I appreciate the craft so much and God really speaks to me in powerful ways through sermons. So I listen to those a lot, whether I'm just working around the house or I'm driving to work or whatever. Um, I will listen to a couple sermons a week, maybe. And uh, I really, really enjoy those. And they really do speak to me and minister to my heart. I could keep going on and on on this list for a long time and spend an, probably an entire podcast on each of these. But you get the point. So to recap this whole thing, simply this. Uh, if you're struggling, if you really are having a hard time right now, you feel like, man, I'm, I'm not hearing from God. I'm not where I need to be. It probably is time to look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you living in a vicious cycle where you're blaming other people for where you are? Or are you living in the virtuous cycle saying, I know I need to change? Where I just gave you right now, these tools are great places to start in your personal life. Um, I mentioned accountability here briefly, but I'd really encourage you to find someone else that you can share these conversations with and uh, just hold each other accountable to be in scripture or whatever else, because it takes that sometimes for us. Uh, to get right. It takes that sometimes for us to fix the cycles that we're in, uh, to honor God and to bless him in that way so we can receive the blessings he has for us. Father, I thank you for everyone listening to this podcast right now, wherever they are. I thank you, God, they've gotten to this point in it, which means hopefully they're finding value in this. And I pray, Lord, that they would just take the things that I've spoken, that you've laid on my heart, that uh, would make great impact in their lives for your kingdom and for their lives and hearts. God, you want to rise up a generation of believers that believe the, the word of God, that live it out, that impact the world around them as a result and bring about the kingdom of God in awesome, powerful ways. And so I pray this would be another tool in the toolbox to help build those frameworks in the people's lives listening, that they may follow you uh, to that end as well. So, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness and how good you are to us. May I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you again for listening to this podcast. Wherever you are, I just pray God's richest blessings on your life and that everything that he has for you, uh, you will be able to embrace and enjoy and come to fruition in your lives as well. Thanks. Have a great week. Thank you.